1: If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how inflation affects your retirement plan, which is kind of an important thing. Joining me today is John Smallwood. He is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. So welcome to the show, John.
0: Thank you, Heather. We're happy
1: to be here. Before we get into the nitty gritty of all of this, perhaps you can explain exactly what inflation is and why we should be so concerned about it. Because we hear this a lot, especially right now, I'm hearing a lot of scuttlebutt in the news about the feds say they're going to start raising their interest rates, they've been super low for the last year or so. And that would potentially raise prices on everything, which means your dollar won't go as far. I think I may have just explained what inflation is, but maybe you can give us a better detail on that.
0: And you basically did explain it, right? But here's the power of it. It's sort of like a silent tax, right? Which many retirees are on what we call fixed income. Definition is that Your dollar doesn't buy as many goods as it bought in the previous year. So if you went to the store and you spent $10 this year and you came out with a certain amount of items, next year, and let's say inflation is the 5% number that just came out, you're you're only buying $0.95 worth of of goods on that dollar that you're purchasing. And over time, if let's say you had a $100,000 income this year and it stayed level for the next 20 years it never changed and inflation is just three percent at the end of the 20 years your dollar your hundred thousand dollars only purchases about fifty five thousand dollars worth of goods so what that does is it causes people either to reduce lifestyle or spend down their assets and that's why this is such an important conversation is how do you battle this inflation, and you don't
1: know what it is. I love that explanation of sort of, you know, buying goods, because we all understand, you know, you go to the grocery store, and things increase, and you can't buy as much as you used to, but I think then transitioning that to something that for some people are 40, 50 years in the future, you know, I'm not going to retire, I've got plenty of time for all this money, why should I care what inflation is doing to my retirement plan, and hey, I may not even have a retirement plan.
0: And if you think about it, this year they announced that, you know, for the first time in a very long time, inflation numbers were high. It was five percent. So if I had ten thousand dollars in the bank, how much is that making in interest? Let's say one percent. If you think about it, if I had made one percent of my money, so I had a hundred thousand dollars invested and made, 1%, I made one percent and made a thousand dollars worth of interest, inflation just robbed five percent of that. So you actually only have $96,000 worth of purchasing power at the end of that calendar year. So, so what happens is when you have high inflation, and low interest rates or low returns, you're actually going backwards. And the whole key of what you're trying to do in retirement is to have your money maintain its purchasing power. So each year you, you know, in theory, my $100,000 example, you would want to have $105,000 worth of income next year to keep pace with the inflationary pressures, because it's a pressure. I always talk about financial pressure, and financial pressure comes from market volatility. It comes from taxes. It comes from inflation, things that are taking my money from me, and it's purchasing power.
1: So if, like you mentioned this year, our inflation is 5% as the study just came out. So I want to make sure that I add an additional 5% into my retirement fund. But that's only keeping even with inflation. Don't I want to stay ahead of
0: it? Yeah. You want to stay ahead of it because you think about it, right? So. Inflation is a number that is given to us by the government. It's called the Consumer Price Index. There's a couple of different, you know, there's a basket of goods in there. But everybody listening to this broadcast right now has a different inflation rate. You and I buy different things. We're at different stages of our lives. I have to have kids in college. I have a higher inflationary rate than somebody that doesn't have that. Somebody that's going through medical expenses has a higher inflation rate. So everybody has their own inflation rate based upon where they live, what they buy, their preferences, and the types of goods that they buy. So inflation is going to impact everybody a little bit differently. But what people tend to not think about is that you have inflation, but you also think about things that are going on in your financial strategy, and it has kind of got grouped into inflation, where you have what we will, what I call technological change in planned obsolescence. Stuff wearing out, right? The dishwasher wears out a lot faster than it used to, and it costs more to buy it right. than it did, than it did, okay? And then you have technological change. I'm talking on a cell phone right now, okay? You know, when we started doing this 30 years ago for financial planning, nobody had a cell service. Nobody needed a data plan. Nobody needed this whole infrastructure and streaming services behind their thing. So not only do you have inflation that's pushing and putting pressure on you, you have this planned off this technological change. But part of inflation also, and I like to use the concept of the cheese singles, like we go to the store and we buy, you know, some sort of brand singles. And what has happened is not only has the price of the cheese singles gone up, the quantity in the packaging has gone down. So you're getting less quantity yeah. and you're paying more for it. So inflation is disguised in many ways. And the thing that everybody's you know really up in arms about right now is inflation is very high over the last 12 months. We were almost in like no inflation for so many years. Very, very low. And people with Social Security, rely on inflationary increases. Last year, it was a very modest increase, but the Medicare portion of the premium went up at a greater rate than the inflationary rate, so people actually got less money in their Social Security checks in 2019 than they did, even though there was a cost-of-living adjustment. So this pressure, when you're building savings, and Heather, you put this out earlier, which I think is really an important thing that I want to hit here, is that, it's not good enough just to put the 5% away to match the inflation rate. You've got to put more away than the inflation, the planned obsolescence, the technological change, all those things that are becoming at you over the next 20, 30 years as you build your wealth. And if you're young and you're in the accumulation phase, you need to accumulate as much wealth as you can because when you're on the back end of this and you hit retirement, you're now in the distribution phase. We don't have the ability to earn income. And what I find for a lot of people is when you're earning a salary, you're getting adjustments, you're getting increases, you might be getting bonuses. That inflation is kind of hidden by that because your, in- your income is increasing. But when you get a combination of increase in taxes and increase in inflationary rates and income either flatlining or staying the same, that's when you start to feel the pressure.
1: Right. Okay. We do need to take a break. When we come back, I want to go into that more in depth. How do we keep up or stay ahead of the inflationary rate? So joining me today is John Smallwood. He is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that if it affects your life in any way money-wise, we are talking about it. Today, we're talking about that pesky inflation thing that affects your retirement plan. And joining me today is John Smallwood. He is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. And you have been walking us through, John, exactly what inflation means And how it can really affect our pocketbook, not only currently, but also in retirement. As we were leaving that last segment, you were saying we really need to stay ahead of the inflation. Basically put in as much money as you possibly can so that you're never behind how what the inflation rate will grow. But I'm curious how do you help people that are living paycheck to paycheck and maybe they're just barely eking by at the inflation rate. They, can, they don't have the wherewithal to get ahead of it.
0: And That's the hard part, right? So in the book that I recently put out, chapter three is dedicated to the mindset of saving, okay? So people that have difficulty savings, one of the most important things that we, that we will do, and everybody can do this, they can take a piece of paper and they can say, okay, here's my income, here's what I paid in all, you know, payroll taxes and federal taxes and state taxes. And that net amount of money is what makes it into my checkbook before I even put money in a 401k or have to. So those things are all deductions that, that, that come out. But what we want to see is there should be a certain amount of money that goes to savings before we get into the spending ha- habits of lifestyle. And what we, do is you, for people that are having trouble saving because they're living paycheck to paycheck, which is so many people, okay, mm-hmm. is you start with this sort of this, let me understand where the money goes. I may need to look at my credit card statements. I may have credit card balances, uh, but where did the money go? And most people really don't know where the money went during the 30 days have gone by. Where did the money go? I'm gonna get a paycheck in a couple of days. I'm gonna replenish. Where does that money go? And my whole goal is to really understand where did it go to, and then I gotta be looking at the budget and saying, am I getting the most enjoyment and benefit from the money that I'm spending? Right? Because I need to change the rules. I need to change the thinking. Right? Most people are conditioned to get get their paycheck. Spend on what they have to do, and they kind of feel like they're vulnerable to their spending and If money's left over, I'll save it rather than the other mindset is let me let me save first and spend what's left over, okay, which is uh, in the in the book I, I talk about somebody that saved money at five percent. To me, it saves money at ten percent versus fifteen percent of their gross income. So, if you make hundred thousand dollars and you put away, you know, five percent, that means ninety-five percent is going out the door to taxes and lifestyle. If you save fifteen percent, that means only eighty-five thousand. So, ten thousand more is going into savings. That that mindset is what gets people. Really, really wealthy because they're putting away money. Their lifestyle is within the right structure, but it doesn't happen overnight. Right. You have to kind of, you gotta break it down. Like, I can't tell you how many people that we've worked with in the last, you know, 24 months where even before the COVID, you know, expansion of, you know, every streaming service done to mankind mm-hmm. had four or five streaming services paying, you know, 30, 40 bucks a month that never that hadn't even turned them off.
1: Right. I'm glad you said that because I was just thinking of several years ago, I was like, I am not paying money to the man anymore. You know, the cable company, because they were charging an arm and a leg for 500 channels that maybe I watched 20 of. So I did that. I cut the cord, but there's like, well, one of those 20 shows that I like is only on This network or this app. So then I have to get Netflix. And then, oh no, another one of those shows, it's only on this app. And so I have to buy Peacock or CBS. You know, so all of a sudden I've got five or six apps that if you add it up is pretty much the same cost I was paying the man
0: (laughs) for. And the man, and the man has. (laughs) They're now bundling those other services into the man's price. Yes. To get you back. <laughs> and I, I I know exactly what you're saying because it's like you know you look at the internet. Well, in order to have that streaming service, I got to have one heck of an internet key coming into my into my space, right? right. So I can power all that. So you end up spending a lot of money there, and then you got nine bucks here, ten bucks there, twelve bucks here, fourteen bucks there, and at the end of the day, you're still watching my thing. Right. But you know, but to back that up, if you're saving the right percentage of your income to the amount of income that you earn, now, the less money you earn, the harder it is to save money. So somebody making under 100000 like my goal is to get you to 10%. If I get you to 10% of that gross income, we're going in the right step. And as you cross over above 100000 family income, and you're crossing over to the $200,000 mark, you want to try to put away 15%, and that number could be as high as 25%, depending upon how high the income gets, and in some cases, even more. But it doesn't happen overnight. Let's say that your family household income is $200,000. you are actually saving 20%. It doesn't matter what you spend on shaming services because the front end was done right. You're putting away the 20%, Right. right? So how I want to spend my money in my lifestyle is how I want to spend my money. So like you have to focus on the right things. And that's why I'm trying to get people to focus on the savings habit. You look at how do you pay your, your car insurance or your life insurance? Well, I pay it monthly. Well, there's finance charges that are get wrapped on. It can mm-hmm. be nine, ten percent to pay these things monthly. And there's so much money leaking out of your financial strategy through, you know, bad payment plans and you know, missed payments and banking fees. Like, if you can control all of that leak and put that in your savings, you could probably double your savings for a lot
1: of Yeah, so I have been paying monthly on my car insurance for, you know, 30 years. And, what, 10, 15 years ago, they decided to go online. But they said, now, if you still want the paper thing, you can do that. But if you get all your statements online, will you'll save 5%. And I'm like, great, 5%, no problem. And then a year or so goes by and it's like, oh, but if you're doing it online and you're still paying monthly, we're going to tack on an additional fifty a month for these statements, which I wasn't getting charged on the paper once when that happened. But, if I pay the entire thing all up front, I save like sixty dollars or something. There's even a bigger discount if you just pay all up front, but that
0: would be like 15%. I
1: yeah, while it's a struggle, it is a definite struggle to come up with the whole thing all at once. It saves me more money in the long run just to pay it online all at once because for God's sake, really, a dollar fifty on i mean what extra work? online requires a dollar fifty per month.
0: Correct. Right. And it's I'm not recommended. Just want to make sure that we get this out there. But a lot of times you look at the finance charges that are being paid that you're paying to pay that dollar fifty plus the monthly convenience fee. But we're so in tune oh pay that monthly and do this. And it's just there's so much money. I think we spend a lot of time Focused on the rate of return on a life, right? Right. And, you know, getting the highest rate of return that we possibly can, rather than saying, let me go back to where the real money is, which is where my income is. And can I find the leaks that are going in? And how much of that can I put back into my savings? That's a much higher rate of return for a lot of people. Right. Like, if, if you were saving $5,000 a year and you just found 5,000 of leaks, you just doubled your savings rate. Instead of putting away $5,000, you got 10000 Wow, that's fantastic. Now I'm on the right track. So back to the inflation conversation, right, is the only way I'm going to stay out in front is to have the right savings rate. And it still doesn't guarantee that I'm going to be out in front, or I'm going to be better than the person that's not saving. Oh,
1: well, right. Yeah. We do need to take one more break, but let's get back onto inflation, what the subject of the actual podcast is. We'll be right back with John Smallwood. He is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking about how inflation affects your retirement plan. Joining me is John Smallwood. He is the president of Smallwood Wealth Management. And John, in that last segment, we helped to explain to people little ways you can check your expenses for ways to save that extra money and put that money away for your retirement to help you stay ahead of the inflation. So how do I that excess cash working for me?
0: Yeah, I think it's an important thing that when we free up the money, From any expenditure, you know, debt consolidation or taking out these 10, you know, streaming services down to one and I save 40 bucks a month or whatever it is, right? I want to put that aside and I want to put it in a longer term account because when I give the extra $40 to the streaming service and at the end of the month I didn't enjoy it, I didn't use it, what have I lost? I've lost the $40 plus this potential. That's, that's the opportunity cost, right? Right. So if I put it in, if I pick my favorite XYZ mutual fund or ETF or whatever, and it goes down 50% or it goes up 50%, I still have the money. There's I have an increased risk, right? Because the way it, were, it was being spent, I was taking on a lot of risk. So you have to put risk in a nutshell and understand that, that it's there. But this inflation. This silent tax, this if you're planning on a three percent inflation, and inflation is really five or ten, your plan is undershot. So the only way to counterbalance it while you're working is to save the right amount of money, right? And this but understanding that in the plan there's money going out to other places, let's recapture that. Now let's set ourselves up in the right planning and having the right structure because as financial advisors were taught if I put my money in the stock market that that's going to be my inflation edge. And what history tells us is that happens sometimes, not all the time. A perfect example of that is somebody that retired in 1999. They've been through two 50% downturns right. and the stock market was not their front during that time frame. Somebody that retired in you know, June that March of 2009, stock market's been pretty much different. <laughs> right? Uh, but when you're building a plan, what we're searching for is the balance so that, you know, you own a home, you have a 401k, a 402b, you have stocks, you have individual, you have money market accounts, you have all the protection pieces that you need, the life insurance, the disability insurance, the will, the trust, the proper car and homeowner's insurance, you've selected the right benefits from your employer and you've supplemented those benefits outside of the employer that don't provide you with the right amount of benefits, right? So there's this, you've got to have all these things going on in your plan at the same time. And then when you hit retirement, interest rates are so low. The lowest rates we've ever seen, pretty much, right? Right. Yeah. In 1981, the 10-year treasury was 15.8%. It's 1.34, 1.35 today. You know, if you had a million dollars sitting in a bank account in 1981, you might have got 14, 15% interest. That's $150,000. Today, you're getting less than $10,000. So you have this collapsing of the interest rates, which has made it so much harder to do retirement planning. And what's come out of that is, You have to design your plans so that you have different vehicles, different investment vehicles, different things doing different roles so that you might need to – got to think of everything as a – every financial product as a tool. Am I going to use the tool every single day? No, but in certain circumstances, I need to put that tool to work to help mitigate this inflation. And The stock market may not be the thing that I can rely on. You know, because it could happen or it could not happen. Right. So you have to have cash. You have to have, you know, safe assets. You have to have things that have guaranteed interest or guaranteed income. Bonds. You have to have money in stocks. You have to have money in real estate. Maybe you're a business owner. But you need all these things going on at all times.
1: Wow, John. Like, burst my bubble, man. I just put everything in the stock market and see what happens.
0: And this is what my my big thing is, right? So you have everything in the stock market. Everything's great. You've done really, really well. But you have have a liquidity event that you don't know about today, three months from now. And pretend for a moment that the stock market's down 40% three months from now. My only source of funds is to take money out of the stock market. I just violated the number one rule, which is in the stock market, you're supposed to buy low. And sell sell high. high. Not 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 buy high and sell low. Right. So you just violated the number one principle. And I hear people talking like that. Okay. My money, money, my, my savings account is making less than 1%. I got to get that money to work. I got to get that money to work. And my position is if it's the right amount of money that's supposed to be in the savings account for your personal circumstances, where you are at this point in life, it doesn't matter what it's making. What matters is it's available for emergency, but more importantly, it's available for opportunity. And I think it's something that, for your listeners, is if you understand the role of the money in the plan, and each layer of money, for lack of a better word, has a, has a, has a specific role, then you're okay with it, or you know, think about it, I can't have all my money in something that is going to be illiquid at times. And I say, well, stock market, you can buy and sell stock at any given time, at any price, pretty much, right? Right. But there are things there that are interesting. Most of the time, you can buy and sell, but at what price, right? So it's when prices drop dramatically, those are opportunities, and those are opportunities that you want to try to capitalize on. But the reality is, you're a busy person. You have a lot going on. Do you have time in the middle of the day to stop and buy? No. From the financial planning standpoint, you have to create this plan and say, hey, in the last 12 months, this is how much money that I made, and this is how much money I physically saved from those earnings that's still in my savings account. People sometimes say, well, I put $1,000 a month in the savings account, and I look at it and I go, well, 800 comes out every month. On average, you're really only saving two. You're not saving a thousand, you're saving two hundred. Right, right. What's great about it is every week or month or whenever, I'm systematically putting money away. Ten years from now, that was a good choice, nine times out of ten.
1: Right. This is a subject we can go on forever about. (laughs) The one thing at the very beginning, and you just sort of mentioned it right now, was inflation is different for, for different people, and that had never occurred to me. I mean, inflation as a just number in society may be straight across the board, but you're right. Everybody's individual circumstance also affects your own personal inflation. So I love that. But there was something that's been popping up in the in articles from time to time recently. What is transitory inflation?
0: That's a When you read the definition of it, it means it's temporary it's not going to stay that way. Right. Right. So this high inflation rate, when you look at what it costs to get a container from China to the U.S., which is all our goods are two to three times higher than it was a year ago. Right. What we're seeing is these prices are high because of temporary conditions. We have supply issues. We have computer microchip issues. We have all these things. And the idea is that prices will come back down when these things change. I was in my favorite sandwich shop over the weekend, and my favorite sandwich was $4 more expensive than it was. I don't think it's going to come back down. Right. come back down.
1: In my experience, as soon as somebody raises a price, they will never bring it back down. Like, that yeah. just does not happen. So I do not like these news articles that are trying to trick people thinking, oh, d- don't worry about it. I know it's tough right at the moment, but these prices will come back down, trying to make everybody feel good, and, and it's false.
0: Yeah, and it it's creating this false, this false sense of safety, that prices will drop and prices will come back down. I don't think it does, depending upon the factors. Now, there are reasons I could bring it down, but wait, I want to prepare my plan as if these cost of living adjustments are here to stay. They're not going to go down. You have to be prepared that these prices might compound off here few and we never go back. The housing market may continue to go up. Interest rates interest rates are gonna rise. That's gonna make things more expensive also. So that's a transitory thing. I s that
1: thats the government's way of trying to make people not panic. And I'm not saying people should be panicking by any means. However, I think that's the wrong way to go about it because it's false.
0: Correct. And you need to be theory of it is what my my position is right don't think it is temporary you think, it, think it's permanent and if it is temporary then you can add that money back to your savings but i don't think you're going to get out of the grocery store or out of the car dealership or anywhere for less in the future than you are now no.
1: so john where can people reach you if they have more questions if they're trying to figure out well <laughs> what inflation rate am i really at personally so where where can people find you
0: They can go to smallwoodwealth.com and on there we have, you know, our phone numbers. We have, you can sign up for what we call a wealth curve conversation, which is about you. It's free. There's no obligation. We have podcasts that you can consume. We have white papers that we wrote that you can download for free. Our goal is to have as much resources on that website as we possibly can because there's so much on and there's so much education that needs to be done in so many areas. And there's also a book on johnlsmallwood.com. You can find my book, It's Your Wealth, Keep It, and it's available for purchase there as well.
1: It's Your Wealth, Keep It. Thank you so much, John. I appreciate your time today and helping explain a little bit better why, well, first of all, at the very least, you should be keeping even with inflation. But better yet is to stay ahead of it. Here.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode.
0: Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
1: A gun in the face.
0: Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today.
1: Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela.
0: They said, you need to give us your phone back.